1: What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack, Manuel. Well, Jack, how are we doing?
2: My voice is raspy, Nick, but it's ready to buzz. That's, let's let's do it. Let's do it.
1: Hashtag buzzing. You know, keep an eye on that. Something you might see in the future. Jack, we haven't talked in a while. It feels like forever. It's really only 10 days, but check out the buzz. iTunes, Block Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com, YouTube, netsrepublic.com, and Dash Radio. We're kind of spreading out as much as we possibly can. We're going to drop a lot of shows over the next month or so. But Jack, what are we talking about today?
2: We're going to be doing the exit interviews. So, for those that haven't seen uh, Sean Marks, Coach Kenny, the players have been doing their exit interviews. Um, coach, Kenny discussed discuss them a little bit on the, the full 48 with Howard Beck, another podcast you should listen to because it has a Brooklyn Nets, uh, personality on it. Um, as well, you know, Nick's boy broadcast on the Wage pod. So if you're Excellent. not listening to the buzz, how, yeah. How do you right know what here is after that? <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know. Um, if you, if you're not listening to the buzz, listen to those ones for sure. So we'll start off with coach Kenny Nick. And, um, he said uh, this in relation to what he wants to work, uh, over in the off season as a coach. Uh, I think it's those last 15 games and the playoffs. I feel like they were all playoff games. We analyzed those games, went through it, but I would like to really go back and look at the end of season, really analyze the playoffs closely because we know it's a different animal. There are things I could have done better and I'm going to analyze it, look at it, work on it. And then as always, you're doing a review of the season on both sides of the ball, seeing things you could tweak. It depends on the players we have in our roster next year, but there will be a thorough review. I know all around, I have to get better. Just like the players, I have strengths and weaknesses and I'm going to keep working on them.
1: love it. I love the fact that, you know, he straight up is like, all right, it wasn't amazing. I have things I can work on. They're going to review things. And I think the fact he admitted that the playoffs is a different animal than the regular season. You know, it's a lot of experience for the players, but not only the coach, because like one or two minutes in a playoff game or a quarter can really change the outcome. And we're seeing that right now in the playoffs going on. We saw that in the Net Sixer series. So I appreciate that from Kenny, just, you know, some honesty, some self-awareness, you know, and he's going to improve this summer as well.
2: Yeah, and it's, I mean, we know, I think for me, Coach Kenny needs to, and he talked about it on on the full 48 as well, the fact that he has such a great support staff behind him, the relationship with Sean Marks, you know, he like, uh, I think I remember him saying he sort of just collapsed on Sean's couch after such a... Not necessarily tumultuous, but such a tiresome and long. And uh, like you said, those last sort of fifteen games leading into the playoffs, where they were all playoff games. The preparation, we talked about it uh, extensively on the buzz, and the fact that you know my confidence waned because that home stretch was so difficult. But we played incredibly well. It set us up well for the playoffs. You know, we didn't have the results necessarily that we wanted, um, you know, we probably want it to be a bit more competitive as Coach Kenny did. But, you know, I'm interested to see what he sort of thinks, you know, in terms of the details, what he wants to tweak specifically, offensively and defensively. I think you can take out of the fact that, you know, he and the fact that he says he doesn't necessarily know the roster that they have. Obviously, there's some guys coming back. We know Jared Allen will be back. We know Rodens will be back. We know Cass will be back. Hilo might be back. We'll chat about that on another buzz coming up. And obviously there's so many free agents. So I like the fact that he mentioned that. So he knows that, you know, the tweaks will be made according to the roster that is he has and is dealt to him. Uh, I, I think that a good coach has core philosophies, but a good coach is malleable at the same time. Yeah,
1: just to the players you have, especially I think in the postseason talked about learning different things, you know, learning, hey, maybe I need to make a change here or having a player of this caliber getting more experience during the regular season might benefit me in the playoffs or something along those lines. So it's really interesting. I think what the Nets have like almost 10 free agents. So just the roster turnover could be really dramatic going to next season, depending on who they land, they bring everybody back, whatever it may be, just going to be a different Nets team other than the core players you mentioned.
2: Yeah, exactly. And obviously, we'll be watching that with uh, bated breath. And Nick, this is um, Kenny on the impact of the performance staff. We, as in me and Sean Marks, uh, we both had backgrounds, my background in the department, and marrying that with the performance in Atlanta and Sean's role in San Antonio. We had a common shared passion for that department. I think we both understand how important it is. What I love is that we have built a global staff. It's a world sport. It's understanding, obviously, the, the NBA, but also getting great people that weren't in the NBA their whole life. So we've got real diversity there. Our players have embraced it. What do you think, Nick, about the impact of the performance staff?
1: I love it. You know, we talk about a lot during the season. Let's do things a little bit differently. You know, Kenny's playing a lot of guys. Nobody really plays over 32, 36 minutes during the regular season. We saw a boost up in the playoffs, but I think it did matter. You know, at times guys were fatigued, but that was more so because of injuries. So I love the performance team. And it's just kind of taking that next step to better your franchise. You know, the things that you can control, you can improve in an area and, you know, there's no cap on it. You can have a great performance team. The NBA is not going to tell you to spend less money.
2: Yeah, and I think the consistency of performance staff as well. We see a lot of teams, you know, the the fact that the New Orleans Pelicans got the guy from the Phoenix Suns is making news left, right, and center. But I think consistency within the front office, coaching staff, support staff is going to be key because, you know, you want that consistency. You want to have stability there. And I think that, you know, over the past three years, that's one thing that there has been a real emphasis on. And it makes the lives and jobs of Kenny and Sean easier. And I think it also, the fact that as much as it's frustrating for guys like us who, you know, talk about the Nets quite incessantly, the fact that the the support staff don't have any sort of pressure to go, okay, how long is he going to be? We need to put this out. We need a, a report to Woj. We need a report to Nets Daily or whatever it might be. We need something for the buzz. Um, it's just you know you guys do your jobs we will give you that pre- that lack of pressure that flexibility to do what you need to do take care of our guys and then that's it so i think that the the ability for everyone to have their independence uh, i think is something that has shone tremendously uh since sean marks and kenny took over
1: yeah, you it's a positive relationship. You know, you could see in other teams or organizations where, hey, the performance team is like, this player can't play, but the coach might push the limits. Like there is a, a eye-to-eye between those groups. And as well, the fact that they have passion, like they mentioned, it makes the relationship a little bit better and they have a better understanding of what they
2: need to do on their end. Exactly, exactly. And, and a final one from Coach Kenny on the next steps. Uh, a huge credit goes to Sean and his groups. We got the right players, we signed the right players, we drafted the right players, players and we traded for the right players. That's the story of the season. Now the challenge for us and Sean is, I know the message uh, yesterday was that we want more. I don't think we're sitting here satisfied. It's been about strategic and gradual improvement. And I'd like to continue that without making outlandish statements about championships and all that stuff. I think we're going to double down the way we've been doing things no matter what our roster looks like and a heavy emphasis on development and culture and all that I'm really proud and convinced that that is the way to do it. What do you think? I like it. You know, I think it, they've improved a lot. You know, it was a 14-win jump. The year before, it was an 8-win jump.
1: Obviously, they're doing something right. Guys are getting better. You know, it would be easy for Spencer Dinwiddie to make the jump he made in the first year to the second year and not get much better, but he got better this season. Same thing for Karis LeVert. Same thing, Jared Allen. Joe Harris adding to his game. You know, in other situations, you might think, well, you know, this guy kind of peaked out. Maybe we're not going to focus as much on player development, not expanding his game, just kind of solidify the skill that he does have. The Nets are really open and expanding game and telling guys to shoot threes or whatever it may be and add adding more. And I really like that. And I think players appreciate that because no one wants to be put in a box.
2: No, exactly. And I think in that sort of sense, this is where the next steps become that little bit trickier because the nets now solidify themselves as a good team, but to go from good to great or to good to very good is where it gets really tricky. Um, I, I think that with that, you know, the development, obviously, in culture is embedded already. Uh, and development never does stop, no matter who you are. And and I think that that has been a cornerstone, as Kenny did mention. But, you know, depending on the free agents we get, depending on the drafts, um, assets we, we acquire, um, I think it's going to be, in, in all honesty, tricky to make that even next step to make... We're not going to see a 14 win improvement from 42 to 56, in that sort of sense. You know, I think that incremental improvement to get better and better and better it's going to be tricky, but I back Sean Marks in, in terms of what he does uh, in the off season. I back coach Kenny to to the Nth degree in terms of how he develops players and how he wants to constantly self-improve. I think that's a, you know, just development and self-improvement individually and as a collective, I I think it's all encompassed under that sort of uh, broad spectrum. So uh, I'm positive, but I also understand, and and I'm realistic that it's going to be tough. And, you know, I don't think improvement always is linear, You know, we could have injuries next season and and a lot of fans get upset. You know, we lose D'Lo or Karras or or whoever it might be for certain periods. And, you know, we have a drop in in the win-loss department. So I think it needs to be, you know, an open mind going into the new season. Yes, we want to make that jump. You know, if the paces don't make any big moves and, you know, we might see ourselves in that sort of range where we could compete for a fourth seed. But at the same time, you know, improvement isn't necessarily linear uh, every day of the week.
1: Well, this is like one real area that I really like what Sean Marks has done with the roster. And even let's say the Nets don't sign a big name, I like the fact that they have so much youth on the team, where it's almost like there's a safety net. You know, you're right; there could still be injuries to so D'Angelo, Kara, Spencer, whatever it may be. They could end up losing more games, but you could still feel confident because maybe a guy like Rodions takes a big jump, or a guy like Jared Allen takes a jump, or maybe we see Musa next year. So I think that's where they put themselves in a nice position. Where hey, we miss out on the stars. Maybe we don't have an amazing jump next year. We continue to solidify our team and just have strengths across the board where there's no you know weak spots
2: yeah in terms of short marks we'll get to some of his comments and this was in relation to using the three picks the two first rounders in the draft Um, he says uh, it's a good problem to have the fact that we have multiple picks is terrific more tools in our toolbox I think it would be irresponsible to say, we'll use it this way or that way. I think you guys have heard me talk before. We really don't know how we're going to use it. We're going to have to be flexible and see how it goes. And obviously, if the right guy's there and the guys that we're targeting in the draft, we'll welcome him, we'll develop him, we'll love him, we we'll care for him like we do everybody else. And if we feel that maybe strategically it's more in line with what we're trying to do is move one, two, or all, we'll see what goes from there. I can't really give you a definitive answer on that one. Sean Marks, KG as always.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't really, you know, give you an answer right there. It could be anything. You know, the Nets could not trade their picks, draft all the players, put some guys in the G League. Maybe they're on the roster next year. We don't even know. They also could end up trading, you know, a pick with Alan Krabber moving him. Maybe it's two picks. Or maybe there's a blockbuster trade that no one's really thought about and they're sending three picks over for, like, a Carl Anthony Towns or who knows. You know, like, Sean Marks is kind of always going to keep you guessing and what the next move's going to be.
2: Yeah, I think that there's an A, B, C, D, and E Plan for Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets and Coach Kenny again mentioned that on the Howard Beck podcast the fact that there is despite the fact that there might be a certain plan that it's ideal like you know we re-sign Kyrie we get Tobias Harris but there's also all these other deals that are up in the air and I don't think that I think that Shawmarks Marks is telling the truth in the way that, you know, he doesn't know. But I think he knows the different scenarios. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't know that if there's a definitive nature because I don't think you can have a definitive answer in early May when, you you know, the... Not everyone. Well, most people have declared for the draft, but you know we know we're going to pick a 17 to 27. Uh, obviously, there's things that can change a, 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 up until that point, point. and you know obviously the playoffs um, will could lead a certain way. You know Kawhi could become disenfranchised. Jimmy Butler could become disenfranchised. Kyrie could become disenfranchised with where they're at. Kevin Durant could become disenfranchised or you know be satisfied and want a new sort of challenge. So I think that despite the fact that he doesn't know. He knows what the plans are. He just doesn't know which tack they're going to be heading down in my eyes.
1: Yeah, he doesn't have the specific details. Like you mentioned, it could even be a team in the lottery. Maybe they don't land where they want to land. They want to add another draft pick so they have a higher probability of having a great rookie this year. They might take on a crab contract for a cheaper deal something along those lines. And like you mentioned, you know, there's going to be rumblings. People call it tampering. But, hey, the agents and the GMs are talking all season long. The Nets have an idea of what free agents ha- will maybe get a meeting with them.
2: Yeah, and I think in in, in that sort of circumstance, like I'll ask you because we're going to be talking about Alan Kravitz's stuff on, on on other Buzz episodes. But how likely is it that you think that the Nets go into those dates with the picks, all the picks uh, at their disposal? Or do you think that one of them gets traded in a Crab deal, in a blockbuster deal? Like, Give me a percentage range on the fact that the Nets keep all three picks.
1: Oh, man, that's a good one, Jack. I think, you know, usually you see the dra- the trades on draft night because that's when GMs are so active and there's other moves, moving parts. So it'd be most likely, I think, the deal would go down either that week, early in the week. I think we saw the D'Angelo trade happen early in the week. And then also on draft day. I would say... There's like a ah. 70% chance they trade one of the picks. And that doesn't mean they're trading it for Allen Crabb. They could trade a second round pick to get another pick next year or whatever it may be, or maybe they're moving up in the draft. I think there's a there's maybe a, a lower down to like 65% chance the Nets make a trade on draft night.
2: Yeah, I'll go 50 50. I think that, you know, he's sort of hinting at the fact that in, in weird ways that the fact that, you know, he's it's like we have multiple picks, it's, you know, it's great. And, you know, we've seen some great draft content on come from Dalton, Matt, um, Nathan, and Dylan and everyone else there. This draft obviously doesn't have the high-end talent of previous years. And pick 17, pick 27, unless you combine those and say, go up to say like pick 12 or something like that, you may not be getting a talent the likes of... You know, I think Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, these guys in previous years would have probably been top 10 picks in this sort of draft. So I think that the talent and the the breadth of talent in, in this upcoming draft, you know, I've been keeping on top of it with the great content that the guys have been putting out. And also because, you know, uh, we, we did, we've did we done some draft pods as well, talking about guys like Brandon Clark and Rui Hachimura. So uh, I don't think that the high-end talent is there. So I think that despite the fact that, you know, I'm not an advocate for training uh, and I've told you this, and I've I've put this on Twitter. I'm not an advocate for trading draft picks for mistakes that you have made. But at the end of the day, if that's what needs to be done in terms of making bigger and better moves, then I, I see the sort of bigger picture. But uh, I'm 50 50 on it personally. I think sometimes when
1: you're a GM, you almost can't be upset about spilled milk. Like you made the mistake, you got to handle it, especially if it's going to allow your team to make that jump that you need to make. Like you talked about making that jump from being a good team to a great team. That doesn't even mean being a contender. That just means being a great team where, hey, you can get in the second round and compete with somebody. It's going to take a major push. And also I look at it as a fact is, how likely is that the Nets go into next year with three rookies? Like thirty-one is pretty high to draft the draft and stash player. So it's like those three picks are all in a, a range where it's like, what are the Nets going to do? Do they really want to send guys to the G League? Do they want to boost that G League team, or do they you know want the three rookies, or do they want to try to move up, like you mentioned?
2: Well, at the same time, we we, we haven't seen much of Jalen Musser either, and, I, and yeah. I think that we'll want to see more of him next season. And you add in another three rookies there you know, I think it's going to be clustered in that sort of sense. Yes, there is that sort of cost control going forward. You know, Rodionce is obviously going to be, Rodionce is going to be a part of the plans too. So, uh, Neil Pinson's you know, another guy that's, you know, a guy that can be around too. Exactly. So uh, I think that the fact that we have those assets, um, I don't think that they're incredibly desirable, but I think that they can add some value in some sort of deal and and we'll likely see that. Uh, and moving on to the goals for next season in relation to what Sean Mark said, I think you look back at where the players preseason had their media availability. And if it wasn't to a man, it was tell- all 10 of them saying that they wanted to make the playoffs. Why can't we do this? And it was led by our vets, which is great. I don't think Kenny or I or anyone else had to stand up and say this was going to be our goal. They continued to push, even though we had some adversity when Karis was hurt. The guys continues, and it was the next man up mentality, which is great. So moving next year, a lot will depend on what the roster fit is before we set in our next goal, whether it be playoffs or whether it may be in the playoffs. It'll be predetermined by how the roster looks. He's just so vague in everything he says. Sean, is it? And I, I, I love it, but at the same time, it's just. It, I, I guess it's true. It is true.
1: Yeah, it's just like how you are as a GM. Like if you were, you know, a prototypical GM and you aren't going to share information, you don't want to, you know, hint your hand to anybody else in terms of the media, the fans, give them expectations. But also to other teams in the league, you don't want them to feel like they have any type of leverage. You know, I'm sure some people are already assuming they're going off to big for agents. But the fact is Sean hasn't come out and really said anything like that. It just is some type of leverage he's keeping the situation. I mean, I understand why it could annoy fans. I personally, whatever, I don't mind. I kind of at the point where I expect him, I don't really expect much from his press conferences, other than maybe like a little clues.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's sort of what we've been hinting at and discussing a little bit. And I think that the fact that, you know, where he talks about the roster fits, you can tell that him and Coach Kenny had some sort of talking points that they want to come out with and sort of outline to the media and the fans and everyone sort of listening and watching. So um, they're on the same page. And and that's something that we always sort of expect from from our two guys sort of leading the things. But, you know, how the roster is, uh, once we sort of see that, then, you know, when the questions are to Sean and Coach Kenny, I'm very intrigued to see, you know, if we get that big free agent, if we don't and we sort of just keep progressing going forward, are the playoffs still, uh, do we expect to make a jump uh, going forward? It's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, you know, it's hard to sort of forecast two months into the future, but uh, a, a lot can happen and a lot can change.
1: Yeah, and it is evident that he's been advocating for taking the small steps. So I think regardless of you know what happens, I think in his mind, he wants to see some type of improvement. Maybe it's going to 44 wins or going six or seven games. But I think in Sean Mark's eyes, it's always like all right, a gradual improvement regardless. Like, hey, maybe we don't have the season we want to have, but at least we improved in some way. And like I mentioned before, maybe it's not the wins. Maybe it's young players on the roster improving. Maybe it's Kenny being a better coach. But I think they'll see some type of improvement from what we saw this year.
2: Yeah, and I think in terms of the the win department, this is just me sort of speaking out of turn. Um, I think you can't necessarily get a fifty win season without a top twenty player, mm-hmm. unless D'Angelo or Karis make that jump. Uh, I think that they're on the fringes. Uh, I think LeVert is probably more likely to make that jump. I think he has a higher ceiling. Um, and I, I mean, you'll probably like to hear that, but I know a lot of D'Lo fans might not just necessarily. Oh, where you're like smiling, to Jack. I don't know how <laughs> to finish the show. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time. You know, I think you need, you know, and uh, uh, if we're going um, by top 20, you know, I think guys like Ben Simmons, Bradley Beal, these guys on the fringes, Kemba Walker, those are top 20-ish players. Those are guys you can sort of have a 50-win season with, be a top four seed, and then you have to have the pieces around them, which the Nets do, but we don't have an absolute stud top 20, top 10 player yet. For agency, we'll have to wait and see. But in terms of the team's likability and the connection with fans, Sean said this, I think it was definitely one of the bright spots of the season because you can't fake that that's genuine it's got to be real i think when you see alan theo janan who are in long island and bouncing back and forth our players ask from them looking next guys that were there saying hey when are we coming back we need them around we love having those guys around it's contagious i think you can see in the court you see other guys compete you see it's a fun and exciting brand of basketball you see the bench and they really and truly all in this for each other it's special You can't fake that. And that's not something that Kenny get up and give a halftime speech and say, guys, I need you to cheer for one another. They either do it or they don't. I don't think I've been around the group that's quite embraced each other like this group. It's a credit to those guys because they've done a heck of a job.
1: I mean, you feel it watching the team. You love it. You know, you love the guys being so happy and involved with each other and really feel that way. And when something good happens, you know, you see Theo Pinson doing his dance on the bench. It's just like it's not only the players, I think it kind of go, it's almost contagious to the fans. You know, they're happy. There's just more energy going around and you just love to see that. And that's one of the building blocks of a culture.
2: And I think in the needs to, as much as, you know, the priorities are Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, all these sort of guys, there needs to be a priority to maintain chemistry and how that sort of works around those guys who are superstars. They have superstar egos and superstar egos within good reason. They are absolute stars. Uh, Jimmy Butler, You know, how that affects, you know, uh, are they going to bond well? Are they going to fit well with the the bench guys? Or are they going to sort of separate themselves and be like, look, this is my sort of team." You know, they're going to isolate themselves. You know, we've sort of heard that in the likes of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving in the past. Jimmy Butler has been, you know, not necessarily the best with young sort of guys. You know, young guys that don't have talent. He's good with young guys that are incredibly talented, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, but, you know, obviously in Chicago and in Minnesota, you know, he has this sort of alpha mentality. So how that free agency sort of push meshes well with the the budding chemistry. And, you know, it was probably been the highlight of the season in terms of if you're looking to Instagram and social media, you know, the the main reason other than DeAngelo Russell, the Nets were getting a bleacher report and all these hats of highlights was because of guys like Binson, Alan Williams, and John and Musa.
1: Yeah, you might have seen more highlights from the bench
2: dancing than any other category of the Nets this year, maybe other than D'Angelo. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it'll be intriguing to see how things go going forward. But uh, Nick, you want to move to the players?
1: Yeah, let's do it. I mean, a lot of good quotes from the players too. Kenny and Sean, like we said, they're not going to give us too much, but the players are going to give you a little bit more info.
2: Yeah, so we've, uh, we've got Ed Davis to start off with. Uh, His expectations arriving into Brooklyn. So coming to a team that won 28 games and didn't really get any big free agents. So it wasn't like we were supposed to win 42 games, supposed to be the sixth seed. Expectations were a little lower, but we took it one day at a time. We worked, we grind, we followed behind our leader in Kenny. And like I said, we had a successful, fun year. Thoughts?
1: I like it. I mean, it, it tells you that Ed didn't necessarily know a ton about the Nets, but his, you know, after leaving and understanding what the team's about and, and it's nice that he mentioned Kenny as the leader, kind of leading them and taking it one step at a time and improving and beating expectations that no one really thought they'd get to a six seed. I mean, some people thought they'd be an eight seed, but getting to the sixth seed is impressive.
2: It is impressive. And I think that uh, the underdog mentality is something that bodes well for a lot of just sporting organizations. And and now that there is some success, you know, the, the Nets are not necessarily the hunter anymore. They're going to become the hunted. So how they can adjust to that is going to be intriguing. Uh, and he goes, if the success can lure any free agents in. It's hard for me to speak on that because I'm not a top guy. I don't really know what goes through their minds, what they want on things. I guess guys like myself, like JD and everybody else will probably say this is a top-notch organization. They run everything right from top to bottom. They take care of you. They say family and they stand by that. Like JD said, the whole performance thing, it's detailed. They're not just doing it to do it. You see the results and you see you're doing this and doing that and not just practicing and all those little things. And I appreciate it.
1: It's just a great message. You know, Ed Davis isn't the kind of guy that's going to just say a whole bunch of nonsense. He's well-respected around the league by teammates, players. He's played for a fair share of organizations. So the fact he's saying all these positive things about the Nets, it bodes well. And he's played with a good amount of guys that you could be for agents this year too.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and I think that... Um, we all want Ed Davis to come back uh, to the Brooklyn Nets, but uh, at the same time, we just want him to, to have success in, in whatever he does going forward. He's been absolutely awesome. And finally, he speaks on Jared Allen. Uh, I've been seeing it all year. I, I believe highly in JA. I think that he should be borderline all-star center in the near future. He's got some things that he needs to work on. You know, he just turned 21. I know a lot of you all give him a hard time, but I think he's going to have a hell of a career. And being here is definitely going to help that out a lot.
1: Yeah, it's nice. I mean, we heard Spencer say that uh, Jared Allen's going to be a top five center. Ed Davis kind of a little lower, but that's more expected from a guy like Ed saying he believes in him, he has things to work on and the fact that he's with the Nets, he'll get to that point.
2: Yeah, and I think I I did an article a little while ago on on Jared Allen where he sort of fits in the pecking order of centers. And, you know, I spoke about guys like Stephen Adams, Clint Capella, these sort of guys. And Stephen Adams has definitely taken a step back, you know, whether that's due to health or or fit. Uh, Clint Capella has had, a pretty poor playoff series. He's had yep. his moments. And it's just funny because, you know, he was the one that was sort of, you know, relishing this series. So I think that, and he as well, is quite young. Um, so I, I think that Jared Allen can look to him as a certain mold. And obviously going forward, you know, he he fits around that sort of pecking order. That's where his ceiling can be and possibly higher, obviously. You know, we'll get to some of his quotes going forward. But, you know, I think he's an all-star center as well. Top five. I like the sort of uh, thing that Spencer said. But, you know, I think baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. We will get to Spencer uh, and reflecting on his own success. I don't do time off. I'll be traveling tomorrow, but I'll be working the day after. That's kind of the way this works. That's the reason I'm here. It's the reason who I am. I'm back into the chamber, man. This is just the start. That's the same thing I said last year when everybody thought that was the ceiling. He finally broke out. He finally showed what he is. I came back this year and was better. And I plan on doing that for the rest of my career quickly. Do you think the time chamber thing was a reference to Dragon Ball Z? 100%
1: hyperbolic time <laughs> chamber, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like there was a Vegeta post somewhere recently after that. That's his favorite character, so I love it. You know, Spence, I think, has improved his game a lot. He's expanded his game. Now it's kind of solidifying those different areas, being a little bit more efficient here, maybe improving as a defender, being more consistent from the three-point line throughout a whole season. You know, obviously, some of the injuries messed with him, so I think there is more steps from the take, and that's one bright spot. I think about the Nets, like we mentioned before. They're just going to keep letting guys work and expand their game and get to their highest possible peak.
2: Yeah, and I don't think it's that much of a hot take anymore for me. Say so it's going to be six man of the year next year. Um, yeah. Unfa- unfortunately, you know, September 2018 compared to, you know, September 2019 is a, a big difference. And I think that Lou will eventually has to lose it. And I think the guy that he'll lose it to is probably Spencer Dimity because we're talking about the best player off a bench. Lou Williams and Spencer Dimity are the two best players coming off the bench in the NBA right now. Um, I might be a bit narrow-minded in saying that. But Spencer did when he is a starter caliber player, and you know got even some all star love from guys like Charles Barkley. Lou Williams is an all star caliber player; should have been in a couple of years ago ahead of a guy like Jimmy Butler. So I think if you're talking about the best players, it's those two guys. So uh, I expect big things from Spencer. You know he never rests on his laurels. He has a great mentality. Um, you know he has that sort of. Mini ego as well, you know. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what he can add to his game in the offseason because we saw, you know, defensive spurts from him. You know, the driving game was sensational. So um, the growth that we can see from him, you know, going forward now that he's locked up is going to be uh, incredibly exciting. Honestly, um,
1: you might make the point that if he doesn't get injured, he might actually win six man of the year. Like he probably yeah. incredibly well. And then there's a fact I think we'll need to mention: he injured the hand before he actually got was out. Like his hand was bothering him for a couple of weeks before he actually, you know, was out out, out for what was
2: it, four weeks? Yeah, i would probably say that as well. And and in terms of that, reflecting on his um, on describing the Nets franchise as a whole, uh, he's been in two other. I've been in two other places places in my tenure in the league. This is a fairytale experience. Man, they really care about you. It's easy to come to work every day. It's a joy to come to work. And that's top down from management to a performance stuff. In terms of pregnant, we're very cognizant of the body and trying to keep guys healthy, keep them strong throughout the year. So you're going to have all the PTs, all the soft tissue massages, Everything that you're going to need. We've got a nutritionist who's going to help in that area. It's a very player-focused situation. Even in regards to your family, they are going to send flowers to your parents. they are going to make sure that if you have a newborn, he gets to come to as many games. It's all players first. It's the culture that they've, they've built here, and it's been a pleasure to be a part of it.
1: It's a player's league and the Nets are, you know, making sure their players are taken care of and their family. And I think that's something you've heard from a lot of different guys. Like the Nets make sure they take care of your family, not just you. They enjoy the game. They get what they need, you know, accommodations or things like that. So it's always positive. It's nice that he said, you know, it's better than the other two places he's been. But the fact is, you know, Detroit and Chicago are really (laughs) high in the organizational standards, at least when he was there. So, I mean, it's a good good notion. But obviously, it's not like he played for the Spurs before this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's a ringing endorsement. And and I think that in terms of he's sort of saying that he's reaped the rewards the the fact that he he has reaped the rewards in that sort of sense the fact that this culture changed and and the sort of you know lessening of the the stranglehold from guys like um the ownership and Michaela Prokhorov to let Sean Marks just instill and and build something from the ground up you know he just let these guys do it um and I think that that's something that a lot of other owners can learn from um, and, and just empower their guys in in a really positive way. You know, guys like Robert Savo is one that springs to mind. James Dolan, all the rest. Mm. James Dolan has taken a step back, but probably too many steps back. In the fact that you know there was news going around that you know he's gonna he's getting sued by the MSG <laughs> because he's playing too much with his freaking band. And I'm just like. Oh, man, if if only in the, if only uh, I went for that franchise, I'm, I'm glad to be a Nets fan.
1: We'd be in a different relationship right now. <laughs> no, well,
2: that is certainly true. This uh, this podcast wouldn't be happening. But uh, on the next step to the Nets, I think the main thing we're all going to be focused on is personal improvement, man-to-man, 1 through 15. We're going to have some turnover because we have so many free agents. It's unlikely we have the same roster, but we're going to be focused on right now. It's the way it is. After July 1, we'll have a more concrete view of who we're going to be and what we're going to be. And I can probably better answer that question then.
1: It's true, you know, at different roles. You know, I'm not, you know, saying it's going to happen, but hypothetically, D'Angelo Russell's not here. They sign two wing players and being like Jimmy Butler and uh, KD or something like that. Next thing you know, Spencer's a starting point guard. His role is completely changed. So I think it's right. Like you don't know the next step until you're in that role. Only thing you can do is personally try to improve on your game. You know, whatever it is that you need to work on this summer.
2: Definitely, um, and in, in relation to that, we we'll get to Jared Allen and some of his quotes, and I think in terms of things in the offseason, here it says he's working on three-point shooting. I think it's repetition. All my life, I've been a back-to-the-basket big, so growing up, you learn to shoot hook shots, not three-pointers. So for me, it's about getting reps over and over and over and getting comfortable back there and just getting reps in the game as well.
1: I like it. I mean, I know a lot of people hate it, and they're like, why is Jared Allen working on a three-point shot? He should develop mid-range or he should do whatever, but like three-point shot for a big... Is just so opening for your offense. Like, look at the Bucks. The fact that Brooke Lopez shoots threes just opens the paint up so much for Giannis. Obviously, the Nets don't have Giannis, but they do have some good drivers on the team and Carol Savert, Spencer Dinwiddie, and whoever they add this offseason. So the fact he's, you know, looking at that, he's adjusting to the league. I think you look at it too from a natural standpoint. Hey, have you been posting up your whole life? Like it's gonna be a little bit difficult for you to just shoot a ton of jump shots. It's just not something you're gonna do in one year. It's gonna take reps, it's gonna take an adjustment, and hopefully it works out for Jared. And he's knocking down threes. Maybe not next year, maybe the following season
2: yeah and I think that it's baby steps and I think that you know it 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 takes quality coaching and and I think in that sort of sense reps but you know quality reps the the sort of type of reps when is he taking the shots where is he taking the shots uh in practice and in in game situations obviously it's it's corner for the most part um but at the same time you know you look at the coaches around the league that have improved guys's um sort of shots and three-point shots you know Kawhi Leonard wasn't known as a shooter when he came into this league and now he has one of the most purest forms, the purest shots from the mid-range and the perimeter out of any guy in the NBA. So um, hopefully we have that quality coaching. And, you know, I don't doubt that in any sort of sense. But um, moving Just on. Just one what...
1: note, Jack, and think about it this way. Al Horford, Brook Lopez, two guys who didn't really shoot threes their whole career. They started working with Kenny Atkinson, Both gave him a lot of credit for expanding the three-point range.
2: Happens to be Jared Allen's head coach. There we go. And what people don't know about his experience at Brooklyn. It's a lot of love in Brooklyn, I would say. I know from being someone that's easily pointed out, people in Brooklyn <laughs> love seeing you, but they love you. They let you have your space. It's a big city. You're going to have your space. You're going to have your enjoyment. You're just going to enjoy this destination.
1: Yeah, there's been more talk about that Brooklyn being just a hot spot for players, that it's just not like Manhattan. It's Brooklyn. It has its own feel. It's like the cool spot to be. And there's a lot of love, especially the, the fan base and the community starting to grow towards a team because they're having success and they're being that likable team. So it's great to hear.
2: Yeah, it's the Brooklyn way. Um, on being nominated for the NBA Community Assist Award. Uh, it's It'll mean a lot. It's been my goal since I've been here, just to be active in the community, just to try to give back all I have. I have more than I need, and I know others want more of what they don't have, so I'm just trying to give back to them. What a dude. Uh,
1: yeah, you just... It's hard not to love him. He's doesn't... It's not like he's crazy rich compared to some of the other guys on the team like he just signed his rookie contract it's not like he's loaded in money the fact is he's taking the time out of his day or whatever it may be in the off time he has giving it to the community and at such a young age just imagine 10 years from now what jared allen's going to do for the brooklyn community as long as he's still with the nets
2: one of my favorite moments i think we talked about this on the buzz as well um was that little video <laughs> of him yeah. when he was at the supermarket and the kid comes up to his like, oh, what what flavor of ice cream should i get and he's like chocolate <laughs> okay. that was like one of the cutest things i would ever seen in my life like, he's just great.
1: very genuine with the the fans and the community and just like you're getting pure jared allen all the time
2: all the time all the time uh jared dudley i'm, I'm gonna have to condense some of these quotes because he's a long yeah. quote <laughs> uh, he's I'm, got like
1: a thousand
2: word article <laughs> he's gonna be in the media or coaching soon enough on uh, what this season meant for him uh my role in phoenix was just to be a leader off the court not on the court uh, so I wasn't even really practicing. The roles were totally reversed. It was good being a veteran. Uh, what I think teams will figure out is, yes, you can have a couple of guys like that, but you need young players where your vets play and kind of show them because they can see, hey, I'm more talented, I'm more athletic than this person, I'm more tools, but why are they more successful at such an older age? So they see that and you give them little tricks, in the tr- tricks of the trade. And so for me, it's being able to play, showing the good game, showing the IQ, showing you not just leadership, And people say, like, if I was back in Phoenix and didn't play again, I could be out of the league, but I don't think that's the case anymore.
1: Yeah, I think it really helped the Nets. It really helped him. Think about this. Like you put Jared, Allen, uh, Jared Dudley's basketball IQ and Andrew Wiggins. He's definitely like an all-star caliber player. Maybe even we're talking all NBA or something like that. I think his intelligence stands out so much because he's not, not very athletic. He has solid skills. Like his skill set is fine. It's not like next level or anything like that. But it's all with basketball IQ. He does a great job using his body, understanding angles, keeping his hands available for the ref. Just does a lot of things. And I love the fact that he said, you do need to play a little bit to get the respect to your teammate. If you just keep talking and talking, it's like that guy who's telling you how to play, but he, you never see him play.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it relates to a lot of veterans in this league. You know, Damari Carroll, you know, Vince Carter, all these sort of guys. You want the vets, you know, Jamal Crawford. You want the vets, but you want to, if you're a young player, you need to be able to. I think on-court you know, leadership is completely different from off-court leadership. So uh, he provided both in, in spades. And um, him reflecting on the 2018-19 season, I have no idea how I'm going to condense this one. Uh, but I might just go through it. Um, we saw the development. It's he literally starts from training camp all the way up to every single win. He like he likes steals all of our best moments that we're talking about. So I'm not going to talk about them. Maybe. Uh, I think just the development we saw in training camp, the talent we have here. The ups and the downs. It's more gratifying when you go on an eight-game losing streak and people count you out and you come back on a seven-game winning streak. You know, some of our big wins this year, I'm not going to say them because we're going to talk about them on another Buzz. And seeing guys take on their opportunities. D'Lo after Karras got hurt. Spencer, his tear when he was going for the sixth man. You saw a lot of guys on this team. Rondé starting to not playing. Getting DNP's to a game winner of Sacramento, Shabazz DNP's, then he had 24 in the fourth. I mean, 24 in Chicago and won that game. There's a lot of good depth, a lot of good chemistry, and a good building block to lay the foundation here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much all stuff we touch on the buzz all year long. It's just like the positivity and the development of the team. It's like Jared on uh, Jared Dudley just gave you a mini
2: overview of the season. <laughs> essentially, essentially, he's just uh, he'd be a great podcast.
1: Yeah, um, he definitely. could have his po- own podcast if he wanted to. He just likes to talk. Like you well,
2: now. <laughs> hopefully outside of Brooklyn or not Brooklyn-centric because he'll steal all of our listeners. Or there's room for both. Um, you know, we could get him as a co-host. Jared, yeah. you know, hit, us, hit us up at the JMAJVT at OTG Nick. Um, and he speaks about Coach Kenny and his accountability. Uh, I haven't played for a coach like Kenny for a while, probably since Larry Brown, where he's just so attention to detail and on top of players and coaches for excellence when it comes to practice, getting on ball boys for being lazy, getting on players for not knowing what they're supposed to do. And I like it. I appreciate it. Uh, Sometimes the best player doesn't always get to play. And I honestly, you saw Kenny early on, some of our best players like D'Angelo weren't playing fourth quarters. Uh, I always believe that you've got to earn what you're given. Uh, And you see that now, even every fourth quarter, we need D'Angelo. And it took a while for that. It took a while for players to respect that because it's not like that in a lot of situations, especially with younger teams. Yeah. Kenny's just straight up. You know, he's honest about it. You mentioned the
1: Howard Beck podcast. Kenny talks about that with the Angel in that situation. And I think it made him a lot better player. Like if he doesn't get benched in those fourth quarters, I'm not sure he makes the same jump he made this year. It makes you look at yourself. Hey, what can I do better? I want to be out there as much as possible. And I love the attention to detail. And that's the thing that makes you feel good where let's say the Nets are in a playoff series, you know, maybe we're talking a couple years down the line or maybe it's in a year or two Eastern conference finals are facing a team that might be slightly better. Maybe Kenny's giving you the edge because he's noticing some attention to detail that's helping you win that game seven.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he has been and in the comparison to, to Larry Brown, you know, a coach of the year, an NBA champion. Um, he was the all-star game head coach. He's um, you know, he's been in, been around basketball for a very, very long time. So it's a, it's very high praise, very, very high praise for, and, you know, just on Larry Brown's wiki right now, it's, um, it, it's a good sign. And I think coach Kenny has the, the passion and, and all of that to sort of um, become a real building block there. But, uh, we'll move on to one and one
1: other note, Jack on Larry Brown, too, is the biggest issue with him was his relationship with players at times. We know Kenny gets along great with the players and he's a players coach. So I think that's a little different that where it kind of takes some of the negatives that you had from Larry Brown, not to say that, you know, Kenny's going to I'm guaranteeing he's going to be some Hall of Fame type head coach. But I think there's a real positive looking in his future.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, and we'll move on to Damari Carroll um, on this season. It was a great season. Uh, You don't want to lose, I'm going to cut this out. Uh, Mm. You don't want to lose the way you do against the Sixers, but they were the better team and you can only grow from there.
1: Yeah, it's like you take every step. You know, it's like, yeah, the season definitely didn't end in Game 5 the way anybody wanted to end. You know, players, fans, coaches, whatever it may be, the organization, especially after the way Game 4 went down. So it's just like you learn from every experience. You keep growing. A lot of the young players I think will benefit that. I don't think every blowout loss or every bad situation can't be turned into a positive.
2: Yeah, and the changing perception of the Nets. Oh, I think you're a top-tier player. This is an organization you want to be at. From coaching to performance, it's a place you want to be. The fans, the playoff game was crazy. It's an organization, and our core, our young core changed. The change some of the perspective of those top-tier players you've got to see. It's in the rec- recruiting process, and now it's in the media process too. you all got to put out some good stuff. Yeah? Have you not listened to the Brooklyn Buzz <laughs> tomorrow? you are putting out fire content, my dude
1: yeah we were trying to hype up the nets as much as possible but again you know hearing from a vet who's played in the nba for a while now played with a lot of different guys in the league well respected and he's you know hyping up the nets for this offseason i think this is what you love and it's not like kenny and sean are telling hey damari hey jared dudley hey ed davis go hype us up to the media guys are doing this on their own and there's no guarantee these three guys are even going to be back with the nets next year maybe one of them is maybe none of them are
2: and speaking on that the biggest thing you've got to let your agents take care of that. At the end of the day, this is definitely a place us veterans want to be because the performance is really good with our body and they do a good job with us. So that's something you let your agent take care of makes sense for your career. That's what you do. But at the end end of the day, it's all about, we play this game for your family to support your family and all that. So at the end of the day, you're just going to do what's best for you. And I can't dictate what's best for Jared or Ed. So at the end of the day, you've just got to do what's best for you. Um, Nick, what is your percentage on Damari returning next season? Do you think that he's hinting at a possible departure?
1: I think it would, in a sense, make sense. But uh, if they were able to get him cheap, which I don't know if they would, because I could see a lot of teams, you know, throwing some money at him just to get that vet they want. And, you know, 3 and D guy or a team that doesn't really have money, or maybe he wants to go to a team that's contending and the Nets can't offer him the same money as a contender because they have a mid-level exception, whatever it may be. So I put out, like, 33%, 33%, maybe lower, maybe 25, 25 to 33. What about you?
2: Yeah, I'll put it a little bit higher. Um, I think that one of these guys out of Jared, Ed, or Damari has to stick around. Um, Which one do you think is
1: the most likely to stick around?
2: Um, Probably Damari. I think that he's developed, he's been there the longest. I think he's developed the most in-depth uh, in, in depth relationships with a lot of the players. Um, you know, he's best matched with D'Angelo, who is our franchise sort of guy. Um, and I mean, we might not see any of them uh, as much as I would like to, we could see other vets come in. Uh, and, and I think that there needs to continue to be a veteran presence around these guys because we are a young organization in terms of our, our talent and our core. Um, i would give, um, it a little bit higher with Demario. I think that there's a 40% chance from my end.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see it. You made a great point about the relationships. I mean, his relationship with Kenny is going on for a while now. And the fact is he's really close with D'Angelo and Karis LeVert, you know, and Jared Allen. So, and he likes the organization. His family's here. I know he did send out that tweet kind of saying it was like, and then he also joked around, it's his wife's decision. So maybe they want to go to a warm weather spot where maybe she loves Brooklyn. We don't know.
2: Hey, well, if JJ Reddick should have ended up in Brooklyn and he's just like, ah, I kind of don't want to. I kind of want to play for Philly. Then tomorrow should be able to go, look, you know, I'm not going back to Atlanta. Let me stay in Brooklyn a little while longer. I mean, we'll, we'll wait and see with that. But uh, we'll move on to your boy, Carol Silvert, before we get to DeAndre so Russell and what he's going to work on the season. I feel like I'm attacking every part. In specific, still working on my strength. I think I'll always be working on that, getting stronger, shooting, passing, just skills that every guy's want to work on in the season.
1: I thought it was interesting he referenced himself as a guard. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that he's not a guard, but that means that, like, where he wants to be, and I'm sure that's something from the Nets telling him that he's more of a guard than a small forward, which could hint at something a little bit for free agency. Maybe it's like a low key little clue from Karis dropping out there. We don't really know. But obviously, working on strength, I thought that was a major factor for him taking that next step this year, not only offensively, but defensively. He's more of a physical force. And with his wingspan, adding more muscle to that, he's going to keep getting better as a defender and as a driver. And then obviously, he knows he needs to improve as a shooter and a passer. And I think as he does, you know, it'll make his game a Send to another level. I think Jared Dudley did a lot of work with Karis Levert in terms of his passing this year. And you took notice because in the past he was making a lot of interior passes, a lot of easy passes. This year you saw him drive to the lane a little bit more and make the outside pass, a three point shooter, top of the key, the corner, whatever it may be. So I think there's room to improve in a lot of areas still.
2: There really is. And um, for those that haven't listened to the Wojpot, he also mentioned guys in the last offseason that he was watching, guys like Bradley Beale, mm-hmm. guys like Victor depot and then some of his favorite it's players. CJ McCollum, all the best sort of two guards, you know, Carol two guard. Um, but I think and he also talked about Paul George, who is that sort of two guard, sort of small forward who can also play a little bit bigger, you know, Carol and Paul George have some similarities in aspect. you know, I've spoken about Carol as being, you know, a Drew Holiday type in, in many ways, you know, Drew Holiday, um, I'm super duper high and I think is one of the, the best sort of two way guys in the league, not just as a guard. So, um, Karis Levert has that potential as well, but, um, talking about he says his rehab experience uh, the rehab was extremely tough even when i was back playing i still continued to do it i think that just showed a lot of resiliency and it was great because it was an everyday thing and all day type of thing the performance staff did a great job coaches teammates everybody had their hands in there it was huge
1: just another you know positive note about the nets organization that it was a group thing and them keeping him positive and he talked a lot about this on the Wojpod pod in terms of the rehab and stuff so check that out for sure but i mean it just says a lot about karis and like he never really felt like he was upset about it. He didn't really show it on the court, but you could tell it probably bothered him a little bit internally. So the fact is he's pretty open about it and he's going to kind of use that to keep building his game.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think that you can, uh, the best part about going through trials and tribulations and adversity is that it, for the most part, you know, it generally makes you stronger. It's that sort of fight or flight thing. Do you fight through it or do you just sort of wane and, you know, is is a fighter no, when- no matter what.
1: And something bad happens to you, like a lot of things. I mean, this is my personal perspective on it. Like, all right, I've dealt with something way worse in my life. Like, this is a small hurdle compared to what I've dealt with in the past. Like, Harris isn't probably going to have to deal with knock on wood, any type of injury like that, again, the rest of his career. So anything that happens, it's not that bad. His ankle's not facing the wrong direction anymore.
2: And yeah, he was asked by Woj as well. did uh, The fact that, you know, he, he had perspective because he's had some tremendously difficult experiences in his life, in, including the major passing of his father. And he was just like, look, this is nothing compared to that. So I think that we have a very strong individual uh, in Karo in terms of um, he's just got so much uh, intestinal fortitude and, and such great resiliency and uh, an amazing mindset and just a great kid great kid
1: jack dropping some sat vocab
2: on me right here hey i'm a teacher <laughs> I, I may teach the primary school elementary school kids but you know I'm, i read the dictionary every now and then <laughs> we'll move to D'Angelo russell uh, on the season uh, this shows the type of group that we are all the success we had as a team and organization comes from putting the right people in the place to be a recipe together and that's going to result in success We've got a lot of guys it has been up and down through the ring room back. So for us to start off like that and get everybody riled up about the Nets once again, having another Nets season, for us to just have it turn around like that, it shows what type of group we have.
1: I love it. You know, they were it just, it says a lot about the team. And I think D'Angelo bought into really being the team and just the type of season for the Nets. Just, I mean, it's a lot of what we've heard from the other guys, but hearing it from D'Angelo is good as well, especially being the free agent.
2: Yeah. And he talks about uh, going to the playoffs and hopefully getting back. Uh, once you get a taste of players, I couldn't imagine not making it back. Give credit to LeBron and those guys who make it consecutive years. The playoff experience is beautiful. So being the best that I can this summer, making sure the people were going to be around and making sure the same improvement and growth going into the summer, finishing the summer strong, going into the season, because I think we could do something special. That's my ultimate goal, just to be part of something special.
1: And I like it because I think, you know, he hit a peak this year in terms of the season, becoming an all-star, getting a lot of hype, having that Sacramento game. And then, like, in the playoffs, he kind of got put down. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't great. Ben Simmons did a great job on him. He didn't play his game up to which he could. Didn't knock down his, uh, you know, regular floaters or mid-range shots. So it's like, hey, this is a taste. I need to get better. I want to be back here. And this is, like, a different experience that I'm trying to be the best of.
2: Yeah, and the best have their bad games as well. Kyrie Irving had um, his probably worst playoff game, one of the worst games of his career uh, in game two. Obviously, he bounced back a little bit in game three. Um, But it just shows, you know, the best have their bad days. And Jairza Russell is away from being in Kyrie Irving's department. And, you know, Nick, we know all about that with the Twitter Twitter army uh, in full force. And he talks about the memorable moments from the season. But I'm going to save that for our live fan episode because he speaks about one of my favorite moments from the regular season.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you could kind of guess at what one of his favorite moments is going to be. Hint, so, hints. Yeah. And it's actually more than one he mentions in there, too. So, I mean, overall, ex interviews are really positive, even from guys that were possibly leaving the team or hinted at leaving the team. Like you still come out of the ex interviews with just a positive experience about Brooklyn and the organization and the culture that they're building.
2: Yeah, and Coach Kenny said that it was like a, you know, it's it's stressful just to leave on that good note, but it was always going to be a positive note with, you know, this season. Obviously, it wasn't the the end result that we wanted, but, you know, the guys, a matter of fact, you know, we're no are not in, in the Philadelphia 76 sort of range, but all these guys had positive seasons, you know, there was no necessarily step backs from the guys that we just spoke about. You know, guys like maybe Shabazz Napier and Winer, Hollis Jefferson might say differently, but this was a great season for the Brooklyn Nets and, you know, the exit uh, interviews and all the comments sort of reflected that. And, and going forward, it's going to be, you know, watch this space and, and make sure you subscribe to the Brooklyn Buzz.
1: Yeah, I mean, big picture-wise, you can't look at the season and really be disappointed. Yeah, it didn't end the right way, but if you told me at the beginning of the year the Nets would win 42, be a sixth seed, and win a playoff game against an extremely talented Philadelphia team, I'd be pretty happy with the results. Exactly. So... All right, that wraps it up. As always, thank you, everybody, for listening. Check us out. iTunes, BlockTalkRadio, otgbass.com, natsrepublic.com, YouTube, and Dash Radio. Like we mentioned, we'll be dropping some new shows. Check us out, YouTube, for some live stuff as well.
2: Bye-bye.